Hey folks, welcome back to the DC3Cast. My name is Brian, with me as always are Zach and Vince. We're going to talk about the DC Comics released on the 16th of October 2019. And uh, first up, we are going to be talking about Metal Men number 1 by your friend and mine, Dan DiDio and Shane Davis. This is a 12-issue maxi-series, so we will be reading this uh, a month before the 2020 election, guys. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Joy. (laughs) So, I think all of us probably have a soft spot for the Metal Men, in part because of 52. Mm Mm-hmm. But this yeah, issue, sure. but but this issue is 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 a bit of a new take on the metalman, I guess. Uh, it does it's a take. <laughs> it, it does the thing that everybody was clamoring for, which is to bring Challengers Mountain and the New Age of Heroes back into it uh, a little bit. Um. Yeah, this didn't have like a metal uh, tag on the front of it, did it? No, it didn't. Okay. Except yes, for the title of the book. Been, well, they've been talking about it, though. But Yeah. So, so somebody tell me something about this book. Um, it's not bad, but it does commit the crime of being boring. <laughs> Which, to me, is almost worse than being bad. Well, yes. I mean... There's an idea here that I like. I like this idea of of Will Magnus as a failure who keeps trying to redeem himself or or make or make something better out of out of his lot in life or whatever. Using the metal men. I kind of like the idea of this little unnamed uh metal person, metal lady that he keeps around and kind of, it's really creepy, you know. Um, yes, it is. Keeps around and doesn't inter. It doesn't interact the same way with him as the other metal men do. In fact, it doesn't really respond at all, and and we're not sure why or what the, what her deal is yet. But uh, she's almost like, um, yeah, I I don't even know if she is like functioning. She's almost more just like a like a thing rather than a, a metal, a metal man. <laughs> right. And I, you know, I, there's an idea there, I think. And it's, it, it, I, I kind of like it. It's a little, it's a little creepy, but the, the actual issue in the actual story is very boilerplate, very straightforward, not a heck of a lot of humor, not, a, not the, the tone is a little too dark and grim and self-serious. I think, um, and I don't have a I don't have a lot of hope that it's going to get better from here. There's nothing in this issue, you know. There's an idea or two that I like, but there's nothing stylistically that tells me like, oh, this is going to go someplace more interesting. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yes. Zach, what did you think? Yeah, I mean, pretty similarly. Um... I guess maybe I had forgotten that this was going to be pretty heavily tied into metal. And in that way, it really does feel like a new age of heroes leftover book. Um, Like this could have come out a year ago and been just lockstep with all of those books in, in most every, in most ways. Um, I think the retcon about the metal men is, It's just not what I really want. I mean, it is different, and I have to like give to Dio that it's it is something different, and there is a potential for an interesting story to be told here. But you know, like you mentioned, Brian, my biggest touchstone for the Metalman is Fifty Two, and this is like not that at all. It's like the opposite of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also really liked. I don't know if you guys remember the Metalman backups in the Doom Patrol book yep. that came out pre Flashpoint. Mm-hmm. We were just um, talking about a, a similar backup before we started recording. We were, yeah, yeah. Man, th- that time of DC backups was pretty fun. Um, again, going back to our golden age. Um, or my golden age, I guess. Um, 
that um so yeah this is this actually is kind of like deconstructing that um this is this is dark metal men um dark metal <laughs> men one might say <laughs> um um yeah i don't know we've got an nth metal man now yeah who'd have thunk <laughs> so my big gripe with this issue is that so magnus is talking about how he's basically a failure as a scientist right and the reason he's a failure as a scientist is because he hasn't been able to give them like truly autonomous personalities that all of them have been like just basically exaggerated from this little bit of like his essence or his mojo crikey whatever it is you know um but i just felt like isn't that like who, who let's pretend for a minute that this is real okay and somebody was like hey guys i created artificial intelligence and I'm like holy shit and he's like yeah but i only took a small piece of my essence and recreated it i didn't make it from scratch boom <laughs> you failure like who would do that it just seems like a really weird gripe for people to have about his work isn't it i yes i agree with that the one thing i'll say though is that i like it from the perspective of these the metal men are clearly meant meant to think they're autonomous or that they're people and perhaps his personal letdown at least the the way that I read it and processed it is that he can't give that to them and they are calling him out on it and he knows it. And, but you're right. That has nothing to do with the external forces that are like, yeah, yeah that, yes. that whole thing is like a weird anatomy lesson type thing. I feel like oh, it's not exactly, but I get vibes of that. Um, it's like, that's what it's kind of trying to do. Dan DiDio's great predecessor. Yeah. Alan Moore. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I it's am such not... a perplexing book. I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm not the world's biggest Shane Davis fan, but I think he does fine work here. I don't think it's I... particularly good or bad. Yeah, I think so too. I think that yeah, it's 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 crumpulent. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Any other comments about this uh, first issue? Uh, I do like that Challengers Mountain is still hanging around. I like that that idea. Just, I mean, up until now, I basically thought it was just completely dropped. Um, I like that it's not, you know, I, I would like for that to be a thing without metal also being a thing. Right. Yeah. You know, I would like th that to be the new status quo going forward. Um, yeah. Uh, not much apart from that, I guess. Is that anything else to add? Nah, I'm good. I mean, I'm, I'm like... I wasn't completely turned off by this issue and I will, you know, probably read the next few for sure just to see what happens. It it was an interesting premise, it's just not the most interesting. I feel like this is the exact kind of book that I say that about Zach. Or I'm like, "Oh yeah, I'll read the next few issues." When the reality is I will never read it again. Well, yeah. <laughs> we'll see. So, uh I I hope I'm wrong because I I you know, because I hope I'm wrong. So, there we go. All right, well, next up is a book I will definitely be reading the second issue of, and that is Superman Smashes the Clan, number one, written by Gene Lewin Yang, illustrated by Gurahiru. And, um, guys, I loved almost everything apart about this book. Mm. Oh, yeah, I mean, this is spectacular. Um and and I have a thing I would want to say about it, a take, but I want to save it um, because it's like not the most important thing. It's like a lame patent comic book reader thing. Um, oh, so no. I want to talk about the good stuff first. All right, well, talk about the good stuff. Oh, well, I, it's really good. 
uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like Jin Jin Lun Yang is just the absolute best, and this is um, very, very much in his. This is like taking his his Superman run and mashing it up with like American Born Chinese, mm-hmm. and it is exactly as good as you would expect. Yeah, I mean, this realistically, this should be near the top. This should be mentioned in basically every year end. Uh, list. I think. you know you know what my actual initial thought was on reading this is this is this decade's all star Superman. Sure, maybe yeah. Uh huh. Uh, You're not wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's maybe without thinking too hard about it, it's maybe the best issue of a DC comic I've read all year. Like everything put together, story characterization. Uh, writing the art is brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, just so well considered, every aspect. I can't wait to hear what like gripey thing you have to say. Oh, no. Zach, this but... isn't a gri- It's not a gripey thing at all. It's not like okay. a negative right. thing. It's just not. It's something that's not really related to this book. So that's why I wanted to save it to the end. Every page of this is packed with. You know, the, the the central theme here is racism and, and very varying angles to take to look at that and kind of filtered through a DC Comics Superman lens. But like setting that aside, because we'll we'll talk we'll talk about that in a second. But like also as a DC comic, there are things on every page, I feel, that show that Gene Lu and Yang completely gets Superman, the world of Superman, DC Comics in general, and then applies that to his his like creator own brand of you know the 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 um, biographical stuff that that he's done in the past, you know, but just little things like Superman finding Lois and Jimmy inspiring for their. He says they're fearless. I find them inspiring. Um, the fact that it's set back in the 40s and so Superman can't fly yet, you know? He runs uh, across power lines. Yeah, just, just so many, nice. some of these little touches that are just so... If you write a comic for DC, you don't have to always be that thoughtful, and yet he is. He packs every page with that sort of thoughtfulness. And um, I, I mean, it, it's it's remarkable as a comic book, but it's it's incredible as a as a DC comic book specifically. And frankly, you know, he's there's not many writers as good as him in all of comics. I don't think you can reproduce this sort of thing with many other writers, but this is something that DC and Marvel should be trying more to do i think like what what an amazing social commentary on top of everything else oh it's i'm i'm babbling now because i love this issue so much brian you you talk um so everything you guys have said is absolutely true i think that yang just gets what makes superman tick so well every every bit of superman in this issue in stark contrast to another book we're going to talk about later, um, every every page in this issue has just a perfect Superman moment in it. Every character... It's going to sound like I'm saying it's boring. I don't mean that at all. Every character acts exactly as they should in this. And I know that a lot of times storytelling benefits from people doing unexpected things. But I think there's a difference between that and characters acting differently than they should historically or whatever and i feel like all of this superman feels like superman jimmy feels like jimmy you know excuse me yeah yeah i mean they are like the most kind of classic interpretations of the characters i guess but there's something like really charming and and endearing about that too yes um and then i have to say that 
one of the things that I think is very hard about writing a book like this is it's so easy to make the white supremacists into just ghoulish monsters that have no that that have no perspective about them other than the fact that they are racists. And mm-hmm. I feel like making the making the main racist that we encounter a young boy and sort of showing him being manipulated by his uncle, I think all of that does a really good job to I don't want to say give him sympathy because you're not supposed to feel sorry for him. It just humanizes him a bit. It shows well, I think you how you it can happened. feel I think you can feel sorry for him a little bit just because like he is a child and he has kind of been fed this. So and in some ways he uh, he not, to a lesser degree I think is a victim of this as well, but it's just it's a different kind of victimhood. Um yeah, I mean def- definitely like this is how it happens, right? Like this yeah, is how, this exactly. Is how the, the cycle keeps going and sure. And, and, then, and I feel like Gene Luen Yang did a really good job and I feel like he always does a good job of kind of handling these things with nuance with like the way he portrays the clansmen and like the the way that they frame their ideology, you know? Um, oh yeah, the way they talk about it versus what we know to be true, you know? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You mean you see it on Twitter all the time, don't you? Like, sure, yeah. People that actually think this stuff is, yeah. But um, uh, to to add to that, it's it's this is where okay, this is where you can't have anyone but Gene Lu and Yang write a book like this because. He does such a great job, too, of when, like, the the African-American police officers show up, Mm. right? Yeah. And the dad is a little standoffish, right? Mm -hmm. Not even, like, just standoffish, like, kind of antagonistic. Yeah, I'm misremembering. I, I, yeah, I thought it was more like, okay, you can leave now, you know, like. Sir, I asked you to leave us. Oh, uh, please forgive me. I didn't know. And then that's when he showed us the badge. Sure. Right, right, right. And the the thing about that is that in the hands of another writer, in the hands of a writer who's not Gene Lu and Yang, let's say, that comes off almost as a self-serving moment to say, like, look, they can be racist, too, type thing, you know? But I have no doubt that Yang experienced exactly that from somebody in his life. Maybe it wasn't his dad, but he's seen that, you know? He's seen somebody uh, who's Chinese or something be racist to somebody else too. You know, I, I'm. I think that that's like that's where he can bring his personal experience in and deepen the entire experience of reading this book. Would you agree? Does that? One hundred percent. Yes. To me, that rings. Not you know. You know what I'm saying though. Like if somebody else were writing that, that seems like a contrivance, but I believe that he brings some experience to that. I agree. I, yeah, I agree. Definitely. I think he's kind of proven through his like body of work that he does bring a degree of genuine experience to the table when doing these kind of stories, which is like, yeah, you're, you're perfectly like right on the money Vince that he is just a, just a lock for this kind of book. Mm-hmm. I I also oh, think yeah. it it's worth saying that his his characterization of the Lee family here really does present like four very different paths to assimilation mm-hmm. of a family. Yeah. You know, like the father is very much you succeed and they'll accept you. The brother is very much, if you're charming, they'll accept you. The mother is very much, if you're persistent, they'll accept you. Mm. And the daughter feels like none of those paths work for her. Yes. That's that's really good. And, yeah, yeah you're right. Um, there are just so many, like, great little moments in this book, too. Like, I love the moment where the mom and the daughter are talking, and, and she talks about 
you know, finding the secret places, find, finding, learning enough secrets about a place and it becoming home. Yes. Um, and then uh, there's the scene that that really struck me. The scene where Lois is standing beside the burned cross and says, you know, our most recognizable symbol of hate right here in Metropolis, which is kind of cutting because, you know, that the cross has other symbology too and that just highlights how you know things get co-opted and yeah. and abused and mis and misused and and i mean yeah, there's just like so many moving pieces here that that yang handles so deftly uh one thing we did forget to mention is that the the boy in the book his name is tommy lee so we can presume he has a giant crank <laughs> Sorry, had to get that joke in there. Is Vince there? He didn't laugh. I don't know. He's been stunned into silence. Um. Yeah, uh, Vince has muted himself for reasons I don't understand. Uh, laughing I, too hard I, at that joke? Yes, is that, that is absolutely what happened. Uh, <laughs> I had to bite my tongue so hard. <laughs> Uh, sorry, I wrote that on my notes. <laughs> <laughs> Good job. We all we all thought it, but we all you, thought you, it. You you had the temerity to say it. So. Um, <sighs> yeah, everything about this issue worked. Thanks really for well. dignifying us talking about this future Eisner winning <laughs> title. By the way, <laughs> hey, we we collectively have never met a dick joke we didn't like. So we can't do a show without making an Austin Powers reference. And we already did this episode. So Yeah, baby. <laughs> so we're good. Um, and then I, I just wanted to also point out, first of all, we have not talked about the art very much. Oh, it's beautiful. It, it's, it's gorgeous. It is. It's a really nice classic Superman look mixed with a very manga influenced style. And I feel like because of that, you could see this book being a sort of a crossover between manga readers and, you know, Western comics readers, because there are so many just wonderfully manga inspired elements to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and it is like really in line with, I think, kind of the current um, style of sort of, you, you know, kind of like young adult um graphic novels you know stuff like the the faith aaron hicks stuff and uh -huh. and um smile thing you know things like that um i think it fits in well with that um so just kind of on a shelf it will be attractive to you know readers of those types of, of those books um which is good for everyone absolutely yeah. Uh, do, we, do we know how many issues this is? Did you guys say? I thought, I thought it was three. It is I may three. be wrong. It's, uh, yeah. Okay. And it's it's October, December, February, I believe. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I, I wonder if the decision to release it this way rather than like the other Ink and Zoom books that they've been doing has anything to do with like the bang for your buck that manga gives you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, is it more, is it more, it's, it's, it's less pages than a manga than the average volume of manga, but you know, is it a similar attempt to give you a small sequential thing that's cheap and digestible? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Me either. The, oh man, the art is so good. Isn't it? Like it's just, it's breathtaking. <sighs> What I love, one of the things that I love that I feel like modern comics don't do as well is just how thick and huge Superman is. Mm -hmm. Like, he just is like a mountain of a man. And then when you see Clark, he they don't try and hide that Clark is also a bigger guy, but he just downplays through like his body language how much, how big he is. Yeah, it's the, the Frank Whiteley thing. Yeah, exactly. Um,. Yeah, what a delight. Uh, mention... Do you guys want to say anything else before I do my one thing? Yes, I do. I just want to say that 
Uh, there's an essay in the back by Jean Luen Yang, the first part of an essay about sort of his experience with all of this stuff, and it's wonderful. Yeah, I, I haven't read it yet. Um, I do plan on reading it, though. It's everything you want that essay to be. Awesome. All right, you pedant, come on. This is a case for why we need the multi-generational DC Universe books. <laughs> yes. This is Superman G1. This is Superman Year One. Yeah, <laughs> we'll get to I that. wish it like, were. Yeah, I wish it were too. Like this is this is how the like going off of everything I said last week. This is how this would work, and it would be awesome. And you're a genius. Yes, you're it absolutely would, right. It would be great. Um, and I just like this era of Superman. I liked it when Morrison did it in the New Fifty Two, even though that was hamstrung a little bit by the nature of the New Fifty Two. Um. But, yeah, like, the Superman who can't fly but can leap tall buildings and runs around on power lines, that is a great, that's a great Superman to be working with. Yep. Um, so. I do want to say one other thing, which was that um, when I started reading this book and I realized it wasn't the Ku Klux Klan, it was this, like, fictionalized version of it. I thought that was a little bit cheap and perhaps um, like it, it, basically a don't sue us move. But then <laughs> but then you read Yang's description. He says that this is actually somewhat inspired by the Superman radio show, which mm. gave which that this is the name of the clan from that radio show. Oh, mm-hmm. nice. Great. So that's a, that's another continuity thing I didn't even realize. So, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's great. That's awesome. And you know what? I don't have a pro- like. First of all, it says clan on the cover, and everybody knows what that means, right? But I don't. I also don't have a problem with them changing the names of things like that if the iconography is not unmistakable. You know, these are still guys in hoods, pointy hoods, burning cross. You know what I mean? Like, Chanting one race, one color, one religion. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's pretty exactly. clear who the, who these people are. Exactly. It's not like um. And I'm not saying, you know, I didn't read enough of Secret Empire to know this or not, but like, you still hear bad faith arguments of people saying like, well, Hydra's not exactly Nazi, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, Yeah. because when you when you do leave room for interpretation, that's, you know, but this is unmistakable. So even if they were called, you know the mr boogity or whatever (laughs) Uh, disney plus plug right there Um, even if they're called the misters wacky yes yeah exactly like they are running around one two three look at this racism you're about to see man deep cut Uh, okay i've said enough everybody everybody gets it yeah, everybody oh, should also man. get this book. Go buy this book. Buy buy a copy for a friend. This is wonderful. Yeah. Well, oh man, the best. Yeah. It's gonna be on year end list. It's I. Oh, I hope it wins an Eisner or is at least up for one. Oh man, it's good. Yes. So let's take a break, and when we come back. We'll review two other books that are not this book. Hello, everybody. My name is Mike. And I'm Greg. And together we are Robots from Tomorrow, a twice-weekly podcast appearing at MultiversityComics.com. Each week, we take some time to check out books and shelves on Wednesday that are worth your attention. And each month, we dissect the previous catalog. We also have long-form discussions about books we've enjoyed, like Dan Clow's Ghost World and Jack Kirby and Mike Royer's Commanding. And if that's not enough, we also do creator interviews. Some of the talks you'll find in our archives feature Mike Mignola, Leila Del Duca, Sean Martinborough, Emma Beebe, and Greg Rucka. So that's a lot of content for everybody. Please subscribe to Robots from Tomorrow in iTunes or Stitcher so you never miss a thing. Robots from Tomorrow has hours of comic-focused entertainment week in and week out. And now, back to your show. We are back with Superman Year One, Number Three. The stunning conclusion to Frank Miller and John Rita Jr.'s Superman Year One. Um, 
So I, I have I have a question for you guys. How did yes, issue like, two I... end? What'd you say? I was gonna say yes, there was an editor on this book. Okay. That was your question. How how did episode how did issue two end? Uh I think it ended with Clark getting his mermaid wife and beating up Poseidon. Isn't that how it ended? I believe so. And then in this issue, he just sees Lois Lane. It's like, fuck that noise. And leaves. (laughs) we spent an entire issue building up Clark being sexually attracted to mermaids. And then he sees Lois Lane and is like, no, I'm good now. Sorry, fish lady. Peace. Yep. I mean, it is really like that second issue did not happen at all. Yeah. Um, my second note of this is that th- what's the name of this book, Vince? Batman very Superman. No, <laughs> Superman Year One for some reason. Superman Year One, despite this book taking place over multiple years, this one <laughs> issue has multiple years in it. He goes to college. Yeah, I mean, and comes and like and, and not I mean, he like, was a boy. He was a boy at the beginning. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> How is this a year one book? I mean, <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, and Frank Miller fucking invented the year one thing. <laughs> Does he not know what he did? Probably not, honestly. That's true. What the fuck this is this? This is a book trip. This is, this is like, I mean, part of it is maybe the length. But this is also like several books in one in that it's just all over the place. Several bad. Oh, my God. That last page with, for some reason, Brainiacs there. Yeah. And But it's the last page. It's a never-ending battle. I, yeah. You know, I, I, I understand why you don't edit Frank Miller at this point. But he absolutely needs it. He needs to be edited. This book also has the worst Ramita art of the three. Oh, yeah. Superman has this, like, dead-eyed stare through half the book where he just looks like he's glazed over after that of heavy drinking. Where There's, like, no expression on his face. How He just, 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 he's just there. Lois's face when, the, when her sub is going down is uh, hilariously bad. Um... Yeah, it's oh man. Um there's too many words in this thing and they don't Okay, I'm gonna, I'm going to say the the only nice thing I can say about all this. All right? Some of the narration and I'm I'm stressing the word some has this throwbacky feel to it. I, he does it a couple times this issue, which is a little unnecessary where he says this man, this superman. Uh-huh. You know, um, it's it's a very old school style of narration. And I like that the narrator is sometimes like the narrator themselves are standing in awe of Superman and and describing him in an awesome way. Right. Mm-hmm. There is way too much of it. And it is all over the place. The parts that I'm talking about are very specific lines that I thought were kind of neat. But then it's full of all this just useless describing what we can clearly see Clark doing. And it's all over every panel. There's like narration boxes in every panel. It's insane. It's it's crazy to me that this book ended up like this. (laughs) Can we talk about one bit of narration specifically? Sure. It's the third panel in the book. Well, I'm, I'm just going to read the first three panels. No, yes. In one, deep, please. sonar bleeps, probing, searching, searching for chatter, for life, for him. Then, targeting systems lock, torpedo strike, volcanic gas explodes, planet Earth farts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what yeah. the fuck? <laughs> really i mean old, old old frank miller's gonna old right and 
then there's just the repeating. Mm-hmm. Like uh, on page uh, uh, page five of the PDF, um, and she swallowed. She's just plain swallowed. She's swallowed and squeezed. There's no air in her lungs, no air at all. She's going to die. She's going to die. Then at, I, then at the bottom of the page, the, the caption, we have a clean shot, is repeated three times. Yep. A wait kill order repeated twice. Um, I now see the value in what Tom King does. <laughs> I still don't, but sure. <laughs> um, yeah, it's... It's wild to me, like somebody. Somebody. Sh- I mean, again, I I realize why you don't, but somebody should just say like, "Hey, no, <laughs> less of this, please." Um, and just why is there? Okay, the stuff with Batman and Superman feels so undercooked, and then yes. and then Wonder Woman like grabbing their arms and being like, "No, we're gonna play nice from now on." That. That is a conversation that happens in literally one panel when for some reason we have like 10 pages of him beating up a SEAL team that's trying to kill him. Uh, that sequence is so like, or what? What were you going to say? I was going to say, well, that scene reminded me also like S- Superman absorbs electricity now. I guess it makes him strong. I don't know if he was just... I don't know if he was just messing. I don't know. I don't. Or is that a is that a is that a Dark Knight thing? I I don't. I, I don't know. There's also one of my least favorite things in comics is that people think that Wonder Woman is this like intense warrior who just wants to warrior all the time, and that's <laughs> so not who she is. One of the first things she says is, "Your eyes show your thoughts. Maybe I'll just kill you right now to Lex Luthor." Like she would never threaten to kill somebody. Did you see in an, in a recent interview, Frank Miller said he wants to write a Wonder Woman story because he feels like Wonder Woman hasn't had a lot of good writers over the years. Well, that <laughs> trend will continue if Frank Miller writes a yeah. uh, Wonder Woman. She's story. not. She's not. Been, she's been well drawn, but not well written, is what he said. I can think of at least five writers who. You know, it's a short, it's a small sample size from Miller, but I can think of at least five that get her a thousand times better than he does. Can we also say that there's a weird moment where Wonder Woman's just like, hey, Clark, make out with me before you go. And then he kisses her on the forehead and then he refers to her as his Amazonian princess, Amazonian queen. That was insane. Yeah. Clark, <laughs> Clark will just fuck anything in front of him. Like Apparently. any woman he sees, he is now super into. That again, that's just Frank Miller being uh, wretched at writing women at this point. I think. Yeah, which I part of me wondered if that was just him trying to like tie into his other stuff later, but it's also just like coming after. Yeah, like the uh. You know, the Laura Lamar stuff, the Lois Lane. Uh, nothing really with Lois Lane, but it, uh, yeah, it, it, it was weird. It's bad. And I think both, I think all three of us felt the first two issues had some sort of merit to them. They were not our cup of tea necessarily, but we felt there were certain parts of it that worked. I don't think any of this issue worked at all. Oh yeah, nothing. Mm-hmm. <sighs> oh well, it's over. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Zach, for for putting a uh, putting a, a a nice pin in this conversation. So, you guys ready to talk this next book? <laughs> I don't even remember what it is. What it's Tales of the Dark Multiverse, Batman oh. Nightfall. Oh, okay. Written by, apparently by Scott Snyder and Kyle Higgins. I didn't realize Snyder was getting a co-write credit on it. And, yeah, um, me either. I he, wrote like... the, he wrote the one panel where the Batman Who Laughs appears. <laughs> yeah. 
he he probably um he probably had something to do with like the overall um like tone of it or whatever but anyway also it was illustrated by Javi Fernandez who's always excellent mm-hmm. and does some nice stuff here with a pretty wretched script guys what the fuck was this comic mm. uh... well we've got to talk about the one good thing in this book which is Tempest Fuganaut. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Hey guys, multiversity exclusive. Tempest Fuganaut is kind of like the Watcher. <laughs> <laughs> and five reasons why he's not. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> well, for one, his name is Tempest Fuganaut. <laughs> The Watcher's name is The Watcher, yeah. or Watu. Um, I felt like I needed to put that in the column for some reason. Uh. Guys, I, I, I kind of like this. Oh, no. <laughs> Vince. Sweet, innocent Vince. <laughs> what was to like about this? Okay, okay, okay. I mean, I, do you guys just want to keep riffing and talking about how shitty it is instead of actually talking about the book, or do you no, want me to? No, talk. Tell... No, no. Okay. I'm being serious. All right. Jeez, who stepped on your dick tonight? Now wait, the Detroit Lions. Um, oh yeah, fair now... enough. Drake Grayson. <laughs> <laughs> now, what I have to um, preface this with is that I don't think it's good. Okay, I'm okay. not saying it's okay. good. I am saying. I oh, think... I know why you like this. <laughs> tell you tell me why. why I like it. Why? It's because you read all of detective comics and you're a <laughs> 90s Batman stand now for some reason. <laughs> that That is a part of it. Um, <laughs> no, the, the okay. The, the reason why I like it. I The reason why I like some of it is that we talk all the time about how superhero comics incessantly go back to characters' origins. We've seen the Waynes get murdered a million times. You know, we've seen... Not, not in Zack Snyder's Watchmen. Not we in one... <laughs> God. Hey, do you think his Watchmen <laughs> took... <laughs> his Watchmen must have taken place in the dark multiverse. Don't you think? Anyway, um, oh, now uh, I, I'm thinking, thinking about it. Yeah, I'm, I'm really, I'm really trying to ration this out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because all it took was a choice that 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 Night Owl made. Um, no, I I'm just so sick of seeing the same. And we saw it too with the previous sort of pseudo tales from the Dark Multiverse, like one shots that we got. I'm thinking about the yeah, Batman, Batman. Who let Pun- the Punisher Batman one. Yeah, and the Flash Batman one. Yeah. Every time it's it's re-examining these origin stories. I love the idea of DC or Marvel, instead of going back to origins, just going back to seminal uh, seminal stories or, you know, major events. And they do that sometimes, but but not as often as they could. And they don't do it with like how often do they return specifically to the events of Nightfall? They do like retreads of it, see Tom King's Batman. They do references to it, sure. But how often do they go back and re-examine that in the same way that that origins are constantly being re-examined? You know what I mean? So I like the attempt, first off, but not only that. I like that it gives you an entire it jumps ahead in the future. It gives you a time skip and it gives you all this crazy shit that happened between that and and now in the dark, dark multiverse version of Nightfall. Not all of it works, but some of it does. Like I like it is it's an insane idea to have Bane's son come and be the one who tries to get Gotham back from. Uh, Jean-Paul Valley, yeah. right? Yeah. I like that. 
I mostly liked its its execution. I like the idea that Jean Paul Valley's not Azrael. He's running around calling himself Saint Batman, like he's Kanye West or something. <laughs> I hate you, being Batman. You like, it's awesome. Did you like the part where he ripped Bane's son off, son's arm off, and uh, drank his venom blood? No, I thought it was overall it was a little too dark, and it went it went to that well a little too many times are you talking about um, giraffe bruce wayne with his neck uh... <laughs> oh i i loved i loved the reveal of bruce uh just basically being like a floating brain <laughs> like i loved that but then like w- way too grim uh to get to get to that point like ripping ripping out small parts of his body throughout the years is that's a little too dark for me but that's fine um the ending again, like a little too dark and grim for me. <laughs> uh, but there's there's stuff here I liked, and I liked that it went for it. You know, I didn't always enjoy it, but but I want I want more stories to be like this. Is what I mean. I, I want them to be more successful, but I want them to do shit like this more often instead of giving us the same thing with a tiny variation for the thirtieth time or whatever. Is that fair? I don't think it's good. I, th- I, th- I think it's fair. I think it's fair. And I think, as usual, I'm somewhere in between the two of you. Um, I, I I think that you make good points, Vince. There, there are some cool things about this. Um, I think there are just some other things. I, you know, actually... Fine. I think that there may be more good things than bad things here. Maybe. Oh, interesting. I I don't even know if I would go that far. But the, but the I, good... oh, I guess the worst thing here, I think, is that we get another bad Batman. Yes, that is. I bad. think that's like the most egregious thing yes, for that me. Yes, is, that is very bad. Here, yes. That... Oh, keep going. Um, you can say. And and especially, I think because I think this bad Batman is gonna be. Uh, probably featured pretty heavily in uh, the Crisis, Dark Metal Two, Electric Boogaloo, Crisis Boogaloo, Crisis a cr- Boogaloo. A crisis is coming, you guys. To, it is. We've we've been talking about it on this show week after week, but if you have Tempest Fuganot, the most important character in the DCU, tell the reader that a crisis is coming. It's fucking coming. It is. It is. <laughs> And Scott Snyder's probably writing it. And it's probably for, the spiritual sure. sequel to Metal. Yeah. Um, before before Brian gets his rocks off, I want to say one more thing. The bad Batman is especially bad, and I understand why they did it. They, they, they subverted expectations, because at the beginning of the issue, Tempest says that he is looking for heroes that were forged in the fearful worlds in the dark multiverse, to, to cull heroes out and help with the crisis that's coming. So by the end of the issue, the reader's expectation, or at least mine was, is, oh, he's going to find somebody on this world to bring back with him that's going to help in the crisis going forward. And then instead, at the end, Batman goes heel, and Tempest leaves saying there's no hope in this world uh, going forward. Which I, I know that they're doing that to subvert the expectations, but I, I kind of wish there would have been somebody, some shining light to pull out of this. You know what I mean? It would have been the more conventional choice, but I'm a hopeful guy, so but that I would also, I would have that, preferred that. That would also give a reason for this to exist from a storytelling perspective. Exactly. Yes. Mm. Yep. Yeah. This yeah. is the difference. That's that is exa- that's a great point because. If they would have come out of this with a hero, whether it would have been a, a redeemed Bruce, or you could have even pulled, you could have even pulled Bane's son out of here instead of killing him, or even mm-hmm. or even a reformed Azrael, if you wanted to yeah. do it that way. Anything, anything except the way that it went, and that is the difference between grim and gritty being overbearing in comics, like everybody always talks about, or grim and gritty being used to eventually get to a, a light at the end of the tunnel. You know, that's the sin that, that this comic and comics like it commit 
that that's what people complain about when they say everything's grim and gritty. It's not that you can't have grim and grit. It's that not only was this gritty, but then at the end, ooh, it gets even more depressing, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, to the point where it almost serves no purpose. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, it's nihilism. But I really hope that this is, like, kind of the outlier with these. I, I really hope that maybe the upcoming ones do have some characters who come out of these situations and like, I can imagine a crisis type story where, uh, you know, like in crisis on infinite earths, you have this weird hodgepodge of survivors of the destroyed worlds and, and kind of like non typical heroes coming together. And that would be really cool. If you like, say have a, uh, you know, maybe like, steal from the dark multiverse death of superman world or like we've already seen the white lantern black lantern sinestro um that that would be cool to have those characters you know come out and be in whatever this crisis event is Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely yeah i mean my biggest gripe with this book is just a, a sort of philosophical one which is i don't know why it exists because it certainly isn't there is nothing in this book that leads you to believe that these characters are going to show up ever again there is nothing in this book that really pushes the story of the like the macro story leading up towards this crisis nothing happens in this book that will impact that at all so all this is is an elseworlds asriel book which i am all for i love me some asriel i love me some elseworlds but i just felt like it was it was grim dark for no real reason i felt like there were parts of it that seemed to drag on forever and parts of it that seemed super rushed it was a very poorly paced issue um it just it just didn't do anything for me at all and you know in talking about revisiting events Vince I think that's I think there's there's a lot of interesting things to kind of extrapolate from that but here's the difference and I'm, com- I'm gonna compare it to a book we love but I'm also going to I'm gonna say right away it's an unfair comparison okay mm-hmm. essentially the story of Moira in House of <laughs> X powers of 10 is it's almost days of future past. You're sending somebody back in time to stop a bad thing from happening. But instead of sending them back in time through comics bullshit, it's the reincarnation bullshit, right? But it's a, but it, but the, the, the sort of the essence of Moira's story is a newer version of the days of future past story. Mm-hmm. But it's totally different. It brings a new flavor to it. I don't even know if people necessarily think of it that way um, because because it is so different. It's just something very unique and very interesting. And I feel like this is the least unique, least interesting way to do something in the Nightfall realm. I, I'm, st- I'm still going to push back only slightly on this because I think I think the least least interesting thing to do with the nightfall story would be to be to go back and make like one minor change the way that like when you read a Bruce origin, like, Oh, this time Bruce picks up the gun and shoots the sure. Sure. Yes. You're right about that. You know what I mean? They, yes. They, using the time skip, they build a lot more in here. Yes. And, and I will say that this book would have been far worse without the time skip. Yes. But, but you're right. I think you're right in that. It's too one note and it's as far as like tone is concerned and, and that parts of it are rush. Yes, I absolutely. I'm just, I'm, I think I'm content to, to close my argument for this book by saying, I don't think I, this isn't good. And I only liked parts of it, but I want more else worlds or, or one-offs one-off stories to be like it. Not not to be written this way, but to attempt some of the same things this was attempting. Okay. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, it does. 
I think we're, I, I really do think we're closer on this than I made it sound, but uh, I just kind of wanted to shock you guys a little. Um, I, didn't, I mean, I, I, didn't I said it. that all the opinions, 90% of opinions on the DC3 cast are just made to to shock and anger the other yeah. hosts. <laughs> You're right. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Um. Yeah. So we should apologize. We had promised a Hoxpox chat tonight, but due to circumstances beyond our control, that is not going to be happening. Um, what is happening though? And if you you should have already heard, uh, I guess two installments of this in your podcast feed is that uh, this week began. Zach and Brian watched The Watchmen, our Watchmen spinoff podcast. So that'll be coming out Monday afternoons through the end of the. First season of Watchmen. Wait, that's what you guys decided to call it? Yes. Oh, okay. You have a better idea? Uh, well, it's it's a little rote, but that's all right. Well. What is it? <laughs> I'm not saying I have the answer. I'm just, you know. You're just shooting on something without being constructive. I got it. Okay, cool. I'm just messing with I you. I know. I know. I love you. I love you, too. Oh, thanks. But anyway, we have that going on, so check that out for sure. Um, let's talk about our list from this week. This was a relatively slight week, both in terms of content and in terms of quality. So uh, on the good list, we have Aquaman and Justice League. On the okay list, we have Inferior 5 and Teen Titans. On the bad list, we have Batman, although it's the rapidly approaching end of Batman, so thank goodness. Um, on the Sandman Universe list, we have Lucifer. On the Jurgens list, we have Nightwing. On the Beware the Creeper list, we have Flash Forward. And on the Walmart list, we have Wonder Woman Come Back to Me and Titans Burning Rage. Vince, what comes out next week? Uh, God damn it. <laughs> do you have it? I do. You know, I thought we had jobs in this podcast that each of us sort of, you know, took on. Like, you know, I, I edit the show and I post the show and I record the show. And, you know, I'm the liaison between us and DC so we can do the show. And Vince's oh. thing was he talked about the books coming out next week. But apparently that's too much. And so I'll just, I just end. show I just show up. No, you bring uh, the charm, baby. Oh. I, I would agree to do this every week that there's not a Packer game concurrently playing during our recording. Okay. Well, you have choices to make in life, and I understand that. All right. So okay. uh, we have Action Comics 1016. Uh, we have the trade paperback of American Carnage. I'm just saying that because if you don't already own that in singles, you should be buying that, people. Mm. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Uh, Aquaman Annual number two. Didn't know that was a thing. There it is. Uh, Batgirl number 40. Batman Beyond. Uh, Batman Curse of the White Knight, four of eight. God, that's an eight-issue miniseries. My goodness. Um, <laughs> Batman <laughs> Superman three. Black Adam Year of the Villain. Mm. Uh, even. Books of Magic, uh, Detective Comics 1014, Dial H for Hero number 8, uh, Flash 81, Freedom Fighters 10. Hey, remember Freedom Fighters? Uh, <laughs> Justice League Dark 16, Martian Manhunter 9. Remember Martian Manhunter? Yes. Uh, Red Hood number 39, uh, the Terrifics 21, Wonder Woman 81. And the Zero Hour 25th Anniversary Omnibus. <laughs> Which Brian highly recommends. Please. Uh, the uh, please the Black Canary Ignite DC Zoom book comes yes. out, too. Yes, that is, that is also coming out. Oh, look, someone can open up a browser tab. <laughs> God. Man, that Vince guy sucks. I'm I'm a total piece of shit. I I Hey, you you just... give us shit for our Watchmen podcast. So I'm giving you shit for I don't know, the Packers or whatever. Uh anyway, oh. you can find two thirds of us on Twitter. I am at Brian is an app. I am at Wilker Fox. If you need to get in touch with Vince, good luck. He's gonna ignore you to watch the Packers. Huh? Yeah, exactly. So, uh, <laughs> well played, sir. Well played. Uh, until next time, enjoy your DC Comics, and uh, we'll be back next week with a thrilling discussion, I'm sure, of Batman Beyond 37.
he's going to come in and tell everybody that the DC WTF actually stood for what the fuck or not. <laughs> <laughs>